Welcome to the England Rugby Pod. Thanks for downloading episode three. A slightly shaky start with England looking a bit out of sorts, Le Crunch not quite going to plan. But there's a long way to go and a Calcutta Cup up next. You're listening to the England Rugby Pod, the rugby podcast that believes England will win the World Cup in 2023. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, the the Six Nations series continues, uh, and I'm joined, of course, by Dan. Hi, mate. Hello, hello. Uh, well, not not exactly how we wanted to start, was it? I mean, what was it? France twenty four, Johnny May seventeen. Yeah, I mean, it didn't fit our predictions, but not not, not directly. But let's not get too downheartened i think there's 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 a lot to talk about uh where this game is concerned um it's not all doom and gloom um but let's let's kind of take this let's take this one one step at a time dan um yes yeah you said to me in the last episode um you know what is an acceptable result and i emphatically told you a grand slam (laughs) (laughs) that's off the table um but the bottom line is this doesn't really change anything. You know, this 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 isn't some this you know, this result doesn't mean oh England, you know, they've lost it, they're they're you know, they're a shadow of them form their former selves. Forget twenty twenty three and all the other stuff that's been popping up on the, on Twitter by by any stretch. I think you know, you've got to take this as two halves. You've got to look at I know they've said there was no kind of World Cup fatigue, but I think there must have been a little bit of rust at least. Um because that first half was just so different to the second half, despite the fact that it was Johnny May, with uh, you know moments of individual genius that um, that, that changed England's fortunes. Uh, but it galvanised the whole team. You know his opportunities were created by a team that suddenly uh, kind of turned a corner. Um, they just left it too late. Um, I mean, st- statistically, the game was was pretty much dead even. Um, in fact, I think at the end of the first half, England had had sixty percent possession. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, they they did, and and possession as well. So my personal take on the game, and what I think is, they had a game plan, but they didn't play to that game plan. So I believe that their game plan was quick ball. Like if you look at the team they picked for likes of um, like Ben Youngs at scrum half, he's pretty good at it and I'm not saying that he had a good game but like with, with, with the team they picked even Furbank at fullback Daly on the wing and Curry at eight uh, Underhill and Laws I think their game plan was to play to the highest tempo possible quick ball quick ball but they didn't commit to the rucks like they it, there were times where players went and maybe one person or two people went to rucks which was infuriating or even when they won the ruck they took the time so if England had won that convincingly because they've got quick ball and then you've got the likes of a Farrell in midfield, because if you want to play the more physical game, I think you go Farrell at 10, Tuolagi at 12, Joseph at 13, ignoring Tuolagi being injured. So, but I think they wanted to play the quick game, but then they didn't back that up by, you know, getting that quick ball and the intensity. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I know how you, uh, how you enjoy statistics. Um, England... <laughs> England won 109 rucks to France's 72. Yeah, but that that's because so it's it's all very 
they still win the ruck, but they, it's about it take, winning quick. It takes too long to recycle the ball. Yeah, if, if you've only got sort of two players there, you're not blowing away the French defence. To me, there were times where the England players were a bit isolated. So you had a couple and you really had to fight to win the rucks. And and that, and they won it because they're sort of powerful guys. But they didn't get that quick ball, quick ball, quick ball, which I think would have blown the French pack off the field. We, If we'd won that game by like 15, 20 points, it would have been a genius strategic move because, you know, new French pack, blown on the field. But because even when we got it, Ben Young's had a poor game. Very. Um, and the slow ball, and it was so static at so many points, but there were quite a few times where I just didn't see how we were going to break their line. And when you're missing Billy, you don't have Mako in the team. Tua Lagi goes off after 60 minutes. You're looking at that team thinking, we where's, don't have anybody. Yeah. Where's where's the, where are the big forward? ball carriers? Where, where are the yeah. people that are going to break the line? I mean, you know, we've talked, we've talked about Sinclair being being a ball carrier. We've talked about Jamie George to a degree being a ball carrier. You know, you've got your likes of Marrow, but he, he's not that particularly impactful as a ball carrier by comparison to some of the others. Um, you know, I thought George Cruz coming on made a difference. I thought Genge coming on made a difference. You know, the baby Rhino, he immediately made an impact. Um, I, I, definitely the, the kind of the power game wasn't, wasn't there, you know, and as you say, it would appear intentionally. Um, but yeah, it just, it just, it all felt a bit, a bit kind of mismanaged. Um, there are obviously some, some key injuries. I think in some cases, you know, I, th- I thought Furbank, it's always difficult with the debut, isn't it? Um, there were two, two fullbacks on, on debut. Um, one of them one did brilliant, brilliantly one well, you know, had a, had a great first touch and it just kind of went, went from there. The other one was Furbank. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't want us to, I, I, I don't suddenly think he's a bad player and I'm not going to say, say, he shouldn't play for England again because I I think he's I, I don't think he had the chance I think he was picked because with go forward like watching Northampton and seeing some of his clips if you're going forward he runs he runs beautiful lines he's sort of like quite a silky runner I think in that sort of game he's the wrong player and I feel a bit sorry for him I don't think personally I don't think he should be involved in the next game because it wasn't he, he wasn't I mean, stand bottom line, him, but... bottom line, both Watson and Noel, when fit, get into the England side ahead of him anyway. Yes. Um, assuming that Anthony Watson is back for Scotland, which I believe is the, is, is is what's expected. I think that's a, a straight swap it, for me anyway. I, what I hope is that we don't stick Daly back at fullback and stick Watson on the wing. Ah, uh, so I hope we do. Why? Because I think I think I like I do like Daly at fullback. If Watson's back, Watson plays hundred percent. Elliot I Daly, don't... Elliot Daly is. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Elliot Daly is the type of player who can have moments, world class moments, but he cannot do a world class eighty minutes, even when he has a great game. And one of the biggest problems is the way that the kicking games developed. Elliot Daly, when you see Elliot Daly running for a kick, whether whether it's a kick chase or whether it's receiving a, a kick under pressure, this for me anyway, the the assumption is he's probably not going to win the ball. When it's Watson, really? the assumption is he's probably going to win the ball. So, so I'm not talking about you know receiving a kick and, and catching it and countering from from deep. I'm talking about kicks under pressure. 
every every kick he chased, he so often he was the man clearly you know pre-planned, but he was the man chasing the ball because of his pace. And every time he would get there, leap in the air, throw an arm in the air, his head would be pointing in a different direction, and he's looking to get a touch on the ball. And maybe that touch goes to an England player, maybe that touch goes to a French player, but it's completely uncontrolled. Whereas Anthony Watson, you you always feel like he's getting up there and actually looking to take the ball. Even Johnny May, you know, he's getting up there and looking to actually gather the ball. Okay, so, so I, for me, I mean, it's a, it's too much of a risk because even if he manages to get a touch on that ball, and even if he manages to flick it backwards, it could just as easily land in a French hand. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't put Elliot Day that back. I must admit, I I would prefer um, I, I I would back uh, Watson more at fullback as a safer pair of hands, but I wouldn't. Um, but is that not is that not enough? If if you're saying that, is that not enough just to say, do you know what? In that case. Because the back three are very similar in, in in all other respects. So I'm not saying you lose Elliot Daly from the setup, but I'm saying you keep him on the wing, you, you, so you retain his pace, you retain the boot that apparently is one of the main reasons he's there, but we never seem to see uh, being used, and you stick Watson at the back where where the the fullback skills are just a little bit more natural, come a little bit more naturally to him. Um, I so, so I like Watson on the wing. I think Watson causes damage on the wing, and Elliot Daly running at fullback. So this will sound weird, and this will make no sense, but that's kind of what I'm about. Say, say roll me. I think Anthony Watson is a better attacking runner on the wing than Elliot Daly. I think Elliot Daly is a better attacking runner at fullback than Anthony Watson is. If, uh, that it probably makes sense. No, I hear what I you're have... saying. So I guess the question then becomes, uh, what's more valuable in a fullback, defence yeah, or yeah. attack? And I would argue when you've got the likes of Johnny May on one wing, that that actually you, you want your fullback to be more def- solid in defence and have the ability to attack, obviously. But actually, you know... Uh, I guess that your argument there would be, in that case, you want your two best people on the wing because they're the attack players, so that would be Watson and May. But I just think you're leaving a too, too, there's too much being left on the table. If you can't... You, you have to be able to say that you think your fullback is 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 going to win the ball more than he's going to lose the ball. I, I would say that of Elliot Daly, though. What, you think Surely. on a 50-50, where, where, the, where the attacking player is, is jumping for the ball as well, Elliot Daly comes away with the ball more often than he loses it? I, I have no idea. As I say, I'm not talking about simply gathering a kick. You know, he can he can catch the ball. You know, same the same as the same as the next man. But I'm talking about when when it's under pressure and they're you know the 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 attacking team are chasing their kick and they're in a position to get to regather. Anthony Watson to me wins the wins that ball more than he loses it. Elliot Daly loses it more than he wins it. That's all I'm saying. I I would say. And, and statistically, I could be massively wrong. Uh, that Elliot Daly wins it more than he loses it, but he doesn't win it as much as Anthony Watson would well, in we, that position. We, we can take that, but that to, that to me is too important. Yeah, possibly. No, I, I do get that. Do you know who I'd have at fullback right now with injury? Like last game, who I would have played at fullback with Anthony Watson out would have been Jason Woodward. Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of seems to find his way into squads, but never gets any further, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I, he hasn't been. Yeah, he hasn't been in this squad. But I think Jason Woodward's a brilliant player. Um, 
The problem we have now is that because we've lost to France, and it's not the end of the world, it's a shame, massive shame, because obviously Grand Slam's off the table, but because we've lost to France, we cannot lose to Scotland. I mean, we can't, mm. we can't lose to Scotland at any time anyway, but oh, you know, it's, it's even more important. And so suddenly there's, huge, there's hugely more pressure when it comes to selecting slight unknowns. So do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's vitally important now that we get someone like a Watson back so that we've got a, a solid back three that all know what they're doing, that, that are proven. Um, I just, you know, a Fairbank might get selected again if Watson's unavailable and he might have an absolute stormer, but it's just, it, it feels like too much of a risk, you know, in Edinburgh against Scotland with, with the history, with the, with the way it is at the moment. Um, so in terms if, of Six if, Nations against Scotland and, you know, we need, we need, we just, we need a performance. So if, if we pick Fairbank, where's Fairbank going to play? It's very good. <laughs> Do you like that one? Yeah. Um, oh, but are we was... going to pick Sinclair? Uh, <laughs> no, too sure. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think Fairbank should play. No, I, 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 I agree. I, I, think, go, I, um... I agree with you. I think, look, let's not write him off as a future England player. But no, not at all. It, 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 there was a little experiment. It didn't quite work. Perhaps that was just un unlucky on his part. But, you know, there's an important job to do now. And I just think experience is going to out. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping Anthony Watson's fit, and then I'm hoping that Anthony Watson gets selected at fullback instead of Elliot Daly. But that will be an interesting one to see. But e even if Watson isn't fit, I still want. So if Watson goes fullback, I'm very happy. I'm happy with Watson on the pitch full stop. If um, if he's not fit or if he's picked on wing, I want Daly at fullback. Maybe, maybe we need to put Johnny May at fullback, right? Because of how often he'll just have space to just carve carve up opposition. Put Johnny May a prop. Because apparently, right apparently Johnny May, if he's given you know three inches of space, he's in. My God, how good was he? Like yeah, those so two good. finishes were two of the best finishes I've seen in a long, long time. Um, it was Johnny May was absolutely incredible. So, but I, I, he was, he was, but it didn't happen until the second half. So before we get into the second half, yes, seventeen nil at half time. That's the first half time nil since nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, I heard that. Which That's England bad. went on to win? Yeah. Uh, is it? The, I mean, how much was was the French performance the Sean Edwards effect, or is it more what was what I think that it's just you know a young French side, and as I said, you know a young inexperienced team can can be a very dangerous team because they've got nothing to lose and everything to prove, um, and if you if you're off, you know if you if you if you're off as as England were, it can it can be you know extremely problematic. I mean. Johnny May, despite his brilliance in that first half, um, you know, one of those French tries came solely because of, you know, the kind of a fundamental schoolboy mistake where Johnny May decided that the whistle should have gone and, and he actually, he didn't just not make the tackle, he actually pulled out of the tackle because he assumed the whistle was going to go. Yeah. And, you know, that, I, that's criminal. That, that, that is criminal. It's, I'm, if he makes that but, tackle, they don't score that try. And if he some, makes that suddenly, tackle. suddenly the end result is a draw or or potentially better. You know, I mean, obviously, there's no way to know what that would have resulted in at the end of the game. But, you know, it's a game changer. Um, yeah, I, I think I've, in Johnny May's defence here, the one thing I'd say, when I, I, I actually think it was a fair try on replay. When I saw it, to me, there was no doubt it was a knock-on. And... Um, I forgot the ref's name. Nigel Owens, like great ref. He went for his whistle. I think Johnny May 
and you see him literally going to put his whistle in his mouth. He's in Johnny May's eye line. I think Johnny May, wrongly so, but I think he. But that's fine. I mean, so that, that explains it, but it doesn't. Yeah. It, you know, it, doesn't it doesn't excuse it, it and that's yeah. the key, isn't it? Like at this level, you you just can't afford to take those chances. Um, and you know, maybe ninety nine times out of a hundred, he would do that, and the whistle would go, and the play would be called back. But you just don't take that chance. Um, I think it's probably a lesson he's learned, and he's not going to make that mistake again. Yeah. But, he may know. not have made the tackle anyway because the guy was coming to play. So, I mean, we we don't know, but either yeah, way, he, would. He, he was wrong to do it. But Johnny in the sa- it. yeah, I, quite possibly. But in the same way, I excuse uh, as annoying as it was at the time. I excuse Owen Farrell dropping ball. We know he's a quality player. We know that was like a couple of silly mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it didn't it, come long. long. He, he took a pretty big knock, and we couldn't at first. I thought. I thought first I thought it was pretty serious um, the way he was holding his arm. I was like, oh no, he hasn't broken his arm or something, has he? And then obviously he shook it off, so getting dead on. But I wonder whether that just, you know, caused problems with his hands. Uh, I, I I think he was just so desperate to try and change things around. It was a bit wet and a bit miserable out there. The ball was a bit sippy. I, I think he probably was thinking too far ahead. Do you think one of the problems was given the conditions? And, and the team that England selected, they had no choice but to try and play a game that didn't really suit the conditions. I, I think so. What? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think the game they played didn't suit the conditions. You'd still back them to play it, but there were, like you say, there were silly mistakes that went against it. And some of the decision-making, I thought, was terrible. The start of that second half, when we're on their line, and fair enough... You expect to score a try or penalty or whatever. But there were times when we had four men overlap out wide. Take that. Just take the points. Even if you think we're going to score in front of the post, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Just absolutely take those points. I mean, was that That just desperation? You know, it had been such a bad first half, um, you know. And and I say say bad kind of loosely because the, the, the problem, and this is where the stats being so even make it difficult to see, but the problem was that England did... The difference between the sides in that first half was that because there wasn't a huge number of mistakes, but England made them them a few mistakes at crucial times. So they would go five, six, seven phases, create an opportunity, make a mistake. France would make their mistakes when it didn't really matter, and more importantly, when England made their mistakes, France capitalised on them, and it didn't happen the other way around. Um, you know, and so and so despite the statistics showing very similar kind of. Um, outcomes, not outcomes. Sorry, very similar sort of, um, uh, very similar error counts and what and whatnot. France ended up with points on the board, and you know a, a considerable number of them at seventeen nil, where England obviously didn't. Um, so there's, you know, the, the, it highlights obviously the the importance of capitalising on opposition mistakes, which England have done under Eddie Jones for for four years, been very good at. Um, but also just, just I don't know, just being able to, just being able to limit the mistakes at key moments, um, and it's yeah. one of the reasons why I think you know it's 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 unfortunate, uh, you know that at half time it looked like it was you know an absolute disaster, but it did come down to a handful of very specific moments, where actually a lot of the the play in between because it didn't get the result that you wanted, it kind of felt like. England had, you know, just simply weren't playing well, but they were building well, and then and then they were messing it up. Um, 
so I, I, you know, I, I'm just hoping it was just one of those days. They didn't quite get the, the bounce of the ball. The rubber, the green wasn't there for them. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, to give France credit, as so you were saying, is it the Sean Edwards fit? But we spoke about it before the game and it might be a bit early, but actually, I think you're starting to see elements of Sean Edwards like in, in defence. France, I think, are going to become a very, very good team. 100%. I don't, I don't think they're there yet, but I think, I think Sean Edwards, as, as their defence coach, is the best hire in world rugby oh, in the last... England must be kicking themselves that they didn't make an offer, because he basically was holding, off, holding out for an offer from England, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember the thing. I, th- I think he's, he was. He's, he's said, he has said that the reason he went to France is because they offered him a four and a half year contract and he's got a family to feed. So he, he, he went for the money. England, by, there's no question England had the money if they wanted to offer it to him. And France offered and he didn't accept it immediately. So I think he was waiting for, a, for a, an offer from England and it didn't come. Which but, I think is going to be, they, they may rue that decision. They, they may rue that. I, I think Eddie Jones does the same thing. And in fairness to John Mitchell, like our defence coach, some of the defence we'd seen had been brilliant. He had actually made a good defence, but our defence on Sunday was poor. Yeah. Where we miss we miss quite a few tackles. Um, I think as well, it's, it's the impact of the tackles, isn't it? Knocking, you know, yeah. We were getting knocked back in tackles. They were, they were breaking the game line. So although the tackles were being made, they weren't the impactful kind of... It wasn't that impactful turn defence into offence style that we've seen from England you know over the past couple of seasons um, I think like you say credit to France uh, I thought they were great uh, um, yeah they are definitely I think it's good for rugby it's a shame it happened against England um, I'd like to obviously I want England to win the Six Nations which means France need to lose to somebody um, I haven't decided yet who maybe we beat Scotland and then Scotland finds some way of beating France. I don't know, but otherwise, I, I, I think want... Scotland. Yeah, I think Scotland can beat. France. Otherwise, I'd like France to. I'd like France to to beat Ireland and Wales. That would be nice. Um, I know, and I hope they do well because I think it's good for rugby. But um, I think the thing with France for 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 years now they've they've lacked composure, um, and and they seem to have it in spades on. Yeah, on the they. And when you combine that with with the sort of. Um, the kind of the individual raw talent that exists in their squad, you know, that's a real dangerous combination. And for years we've said, you know, that's why, and it's why people talk about, oh, which French side will turn up? Because on paper they have unbelievable players, but they always seem to play for themselves, not for the team. And on Sunday they looked so much more organised, um, and it became a, it became a, a you know a, a dangerous proposition. And you know, I thought that's one of the reasons why this this. Game didn't, you know, when when the final whistle went, it wasn't quite as devastating as it could have been because I think, you know, credit to England for the comeback that they put in and and you know, yes, experience clearly outed in the end and, um, you know, they were able to come back and when they put France under pressure, France didn't really have a response. I mean, they defended well. Well, um, no, France France had a response with regards to. Yeah, they held England out. It was two moments of brilliance where we got our tries. It was, but 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 two moments of brilliance and a lot of pressure. Yeah, but but that pressure, we didn't capitalise on it, what we should. And don't get me wrong, I actually love the BBC, watching BBC's coverage. But on, on Sunday, they really pissed me off. A few things that pissed me off. Firstly, um, if France score a try now, everything is... French flair, absolutely. Whereas if England, Johnny May thinks it's like, oh, nice bit of work. Whereas France now, any try they score, that's French flair. That's the typical. It's like, 
just get over it. It's, it's a try. And the other thing that pissed me off with the BBC, if anyone from BBC is watching, fair enough, I get why you had to show replays of the World Cup final, but enough's enough, all right? It's like making someone watch a video of their girlfriend cheating on them or something. I, I'm sick to death of seeing that and just having it thrown in my face. We lost the final, we get it. Just, <laughs> yeah, just show replays of the semi-final. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Show, show one, of the, one of the all-time great England performances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... And it's not a different England team. That England team is still good enough to pull off that performance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, well, this is this is it, and this is why I think let, let's not get too down in the dumps. Yes, it's disappointing, but I think there's still a lot to come. And um, you know, England can still make themselves a very, uh, a very worrying team um, in this Six Nations, and you know that might give France a bit of a boost. But um, you know, it's the opening game of the Six Nations. Things can 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 go a bit awry. It's the first time these guys are back together. The key now is step it up. You know, let's see that second half, the second half performance against France. Let's see that as a as a sort of bottom line benchmark going forwards. And, and if we I, can ensure I, that, that you know that's as bad as it gets, then we're in a good place. Um, I, I still think that second half performance was quite poor. Do you think? Yeah, I personally, I I wasn't. I still wasn't that impressed. Like, I think we need a massive change. That doesn't sound rose tinty enough for me, Dan. Oh, mate, we're still the best team in the world, don't okay. worry. And we're, and best, we're still... best team ever in the history yeah. of the game, yeah? That, that's another thing. Like when, when people are saying, oh, Eddie Jones shouldn't have said that, get over it. We, we didn't because they're saying he lost and everyone's out to get us. So what? Like That, yeah. that didn't make he us didn't lose He didn't say we game. were the best team ever. He said that's what we yeah. want to be. Well, I think that's, yeah. that, that's, that's right. You've got, you've got to say that. And the, the only reason he said, that... He said, like, that... He said we were going to win the World Cup four years ago and yeah. you know we got we got as close as it's possible to get without winning it so you know I think at the time everyone told him to shut up as well because we'd just been knocked out of our own World Cup in the group <laughs> stages and he came in and went yeah I'm going to win the next World Cup with this team and everyone was like yeah arrogant Aussie you know and, and you know we all hate the English and let's do a bit of English bashing and throwing a bit of Aussie bashing at the same time well he got pretty bloody close yeah, he did. And, and not everyone said they wouldn't because we, we believed it. And do you know believed. what? We, we always believe and we will win the next World Cup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. It'll be an England-France final. Talking to the BBC, Dan, how, how much were you enjoying a bit of Dylan Hartley on there? Uh, yeah, I, I, like, I like Dylan. I thought Dylan Hartley was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, 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 I like Dylan Hartley. I think, I think he's a good, a good pundit as well. I, I quite like this. He just offered far more. Like, the, other, the others all just said the same shit they always say. Yeah, I, I. Whereas Dylan I, Hartley I, actually had insight that's current and relevant. Completely, I, I think Dylan Hartley's great pundit. I, Jerry Guscott, I admit I don't enjoy as a pundit. No. Particularly anyway, Mar- Martin Johnson. He's fine. He's just they're, they're all just a bit old fashioned. They're all kind of they're all kind of reacting to this England team based on their their past experiences, which is you know completely to be expected because that's where their experience comes from but neither Jerry Guska or Martin Johnson are currently that involved in rugby no and, so and they're, I, not, they're not up to well, date Jerry with Well Jerry is from a punditry perspective but not from an inside but that, no, knowledge. That's what I mean yeah exactly yeah, where, yeah. whereas Dylan Hartley comes in and, and you know it wasn't that long ago that he was captaining this side you know he knows Eddie Jones he knows his mindset he knows a lot of these players and it just it was just fascinating to hear his thoughts on a lot of what was uh, being discussed um you know where some of the others were just sort of rolling out the, the sort of the, the, the box standard spiel that they throw out every time England play. Do you know who I'd love to see? I'd love to see Dylan Hartley, James Haskell, 
And still Martin Johnson. I know I just said he doesn't seem the best pundit, but I still absolutely love that man. So I just yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not but, saying you should yeah. get rid of the the, the kind of the, the old guard. Oh, but, get rid um, of Gusket. Gusket can go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Time, time to move on. Um, um, but it, it, I love Den Hartley. Yeah, I thought Den Hartley was good, and I'd love to see more of him on it. Um, we have a big we have a big discussion we need to have on another positional issue. Ah, okay. So I think I was going to go there, but go on, yeah. Well, for me, and I know this is not uh, this is not new news, um, but Curry, Tom Curry is one of the best flankers in the world. Playing him at eight is a waste of his talent. Yeah, I agree. It's completely agree. So, so like I said earlier, I think they played him there because they just wanted complete mobility, expecting really quick ball, really aggressive, quick ball, defence, win the rucks, but it didn't materialise. I don't, we, to me, and I am copying what you messaged me, but I think this is well, we need a Don Brandt or a Sam Simmons. We need somebody, be it via force or be it via speed or guile, who is going to get that go forward ball. We don't have that. I mean, even, even dare I say it, Nathan Hughes. I mean, I, I don't think that Nathan Hughes. I think he's had his shot, um, but but at least he offers. You know, you want the way that the game's played today, and the way that this England team plays when Billy's at the back. He's an extra number in the back line because you'll pick and go from the base of the scrum. Everyone's moved out one space. You've got an extra man in the line. Um, Tom Curry, and and it's, he doesn't play in that position. So why would he be able to do these things? You know, as well as someone who plays number eight week in, week out, it is a bit of a specialist position. And for Eddie to say that number eight isn't a specialist position anymore is just not true because you're playing one of the world's best specialists when he's fit. So I just think it's a mistake to think that you can just slot someone like a Tom Curry in there and everything's going to go to plan. Because, you know, Tom Curry isn't about like his strength in this England side isn't his go forward. Yes, he can do it and he does from time to time, but actually, it's what he does kind of at the base of the rucks and the malls and, and you know, making a nuisance of himself and his defence and, you know, all those other elements that come together to, to, to create a performance. Like, he's great in a bit of space, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to pick the ball up, smash through three players, give, give us 10 yards of, of ground so that we can then create quick ball and, and, you know, attack a team under pressure. That's not the way that he plays his rugby. Um, so having him at eight just doesn't work for me. And, and so I think any out-and-out eight would be a better option. And obviously, Tom Curry goes back to his more natural position of, well, six or seven. He's, as you said to me earlier, you know, he's, he's a seven by trade, and yet um, he's playing six and being talked about in, you know, as one of the world's greats, effectively already playing out of position. But, you know, Curry Underhill, six and seven, or seven and six, yeah, um, I... Is, is, I think, key for this England side. And so... Eddie has to find, and it, you know, if he can't do like for like, fair enough. But Sam Simmons isn't like for like. Zach Mercer isn't like for like. You know, there's two people if you don't want a Nathan Hughes that are that are number eights um, that that he's looked at in the past. I I just think there's there's a better option, um, and I would and I would put Courtney Laws back in the row. Unfortunately, Charlie Charlie yeah. gets dropped. Um, Cruz remains on the bench, and your back row cover. Uh, you know, remains the same as well in what's wrong with me? Uh, um, um, Ludlam. Yeah, that, so, that's then a tasty looking back five. Yeah, I, with with so, replacements. 
I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I think you need a different eight. And, but Dombrandt. And Dombrandt, to me, is first choice. If not him, I think you've got Sam Skinner. You've even got, even going back to an old guy, actually, no, that's probably right. I was going to say Don Armand, but he's probably, he has played eight. I think but that again, ship has he's, sailed. But yeah, you're yeah, bringing in someone who's not a specialist. He's kind of a, a six or eight. I, I've, for me, the two things that showed is you need an eight who, who's a big carrier, yeah. uh, be it via brute force or be it via like footwork and speed. Um, so you need that. And another thing, I don't think he had a bad game, but the second row in the back row does not work for me at international level. No. I, I, Courtney Laws is a great player. I want him in the row. Um, I want him and the Tojo there. Um, and I want the back row. Like you say, uh, I want Curry and Underhill. Um, yeah. I, I want them at six and seven. I think that's brilliant. And so, which is why I was quite surprised that they haven't changed it up. So, well, we don't know yet, do we? There's all this no, talk about Ed, how Ed, Eddie Ed, has said that he's not going to make any changes. But I watched the well, interview. Well, he, he hasn't changed the 35-man squad. No, so well, we... but can can you? Yeah, yeah, you can for the game. So, so, but we haven't heard. I mean, there's been no no announcements of any of any sort. So I guess we we wait and see. But you're right. He probably no, no, isn't no. Gonna... Eddie has said he's sticking with the same 35-man squad. Has he? Because there was I, yeah. I saw a lot of reports about how he said no changes and then watched the interview with him where he said, where, where my take on what he was saying about no changes wasn't about not changing the team. It was about not changing the kind of the, the, the game plan. Oh, okay. okay. Like, I got so, the, the, like a lot of people saying, oh, he's said no changes. But the, what I read into the, the actual interview was that he was saying, we don't change anything. You know, we've still got Scotland next. We wanted to go there with a, with a W next to our name. Unfortunately, we're going with an L, but we don't change anything. We, you know, it's still Scotland. It's still, we still want to go there and win. So it was more, you know, I kind of got the impression that it was more of a sort of, you know, we're not suddenly going to throw the book, throw the book out and start again. You know, we have a plan and we're going to stick to it. Not necessarily, we're not going to make any changes on the field. Oh, right. Oh, so I mean, he might I, not, but but that was my take on it anyway. And the media likes to sort of take a word that you said and go, oh, yeah, but that could mean something else. So yeah. we're going to pretend it did. That must mean. So I, I saw, and, and I didn't actually read the article, but I saw an article saying Eddie Jones has retained the same 35-man squad. So in my mind, that was saying he's not going to bring in another eight into the wider squad. Not not saying match day, but the thing is, if he if that article was true, which it may not be because I didn't see the interview you had, even if he changes the team, we still don't have a go forward ball carrying eight. No, it was, we, no, no, it we was, don't. So and, and what that, I mean, what are the options? There isn't even like an option. I mean, I guess Ludlam. Does he play? Eight? Yeah, I mean, I, I I I don't know. I must admit, but he's not a ball carrying. I think he's going to stick with Curry at eight, which worries me. I just think it's such a shame. You just take a, a, a whole attacking weapon out of the England side by not having a ball carrying eight. Yeah, well, it's, it's well. We're gonna we'll obviously know on Thursday when we uh, when, when we when the team comes out, and obviously we'll we'll do a proper um, preview for that uh, once we know what the team's going to look like. But um, yeah, Don Brandt for me, um, and for I think probably most rugby fans. I just don't understand. Did you see the uh, the try he set up for Danny Kerr against Saracens? No. I... So about about uh, sixty seconds into the game, and um, just a beautiful little cheeky line out, long long you know over the top throw. Don Brandt takes the ball. His pace equal to Danny Kerr's, and it was one of those where he, he popped inside to Danny Kerr. Danny Kerr pops it back outside to him. He then throws a behind the you know out the back of the hand 
back to Danny Kerr and puts him in in the corner. One minute in, Saracens seven nil down. Uh, nice. and it was awesome. That alone should get him a call up. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was his response to not being picked for England. So if he can do that when he's a bit annoyed at not being picked, what might he be able to do if he is selected? I'd, I'd love to see Don Brennan. So yeah, I've, I've just found the article. Yeah, Eddie Jones hasn't changed the 35-man squad. And they say in the article, so that means there's still no specialist day. Um, it's disappointing. That is disappointing. And I, I don't really know what you do with that because you need a ball count. So, I mean, hopefully Mako will come back because although I, I have no issue with sort of Mako, Joe Malasai, and I don't mind which one starts, Mako is a ball carrier and we lack that massively. Yeah, Man is um, staying with the squad, so it sounds like his injury is not necessarily long-term, but I get the impression that Scotland's out. Yeah, I, I would have thought Scotland's out. Um, and, and unfortunately, Jonathan Joseph, as good as he is and as highly as I rate him, he works when there's space. He's not a yeah. man. And, and one of the biggest problems that I had with Saturday, obviously, he, you know, you can't, injuries are unexpected and they happen and you have to, you have to replace them and you've got to make changes as a result. But when, when they made that change, it was like they just kept using him as if he was Manu. So when yeah, you get Jonathan I'm... Joseph, ball and man, <laughs> he, he's going to get knocked back. He needs space to do what he does best. Um, and he never really got the ball in space. He always got ball and man. Man, well, that, man and ball. I, I think that's a problem because we weren't getting quick enough ball. And we were doing the same with Owen Farrell. We were using Farrell and Joseph as crash ball guys. Yeah. And that's not who they are. I So I think Ford Farrell... And to it like your Joseph as a centre actor works really well if you've got quick ball. Yeah. Because you've got two incredible playmakers and and one person at outside centre who's either got the sort of silky skills and feet of Joseph or just the raw brutality of, of you know, breaking through any half gap of Manu. But and without... it creates and it create you know, with a Manu in there it creates opportunities out wide because defences have to cover him. And if you've got a Joseph in there, you know, it creates opportunities because of what he's able to do if he's got the ball in space, knowing that he has what he's got outside him as well. Um, it just, yeah, it never, it never really came together for me um, in in the the midfield channel. And um, I th- yeah, I think it's a massive shame. And you know, obviously they had a game plan, but you've got to be able to adapt. Um, and if you're going to lose Manu and the and the replacement isn't like for like, which is fair enough, then there needs to be well, what does the plan change to when that? You know, they must have planned for a change at some point in the game. So they would have had a game plan for when Joseph came on. They just didn't yeah. seem to execute whatever that game plan was. And I can't believe that what they were doing was the plan. Um, so, yeah, frustrating. Uh, finally, Dan, the scrum half question. Do, do, you, do you say Ben Young's had a, had a bad day at the office? Give him, you know, just, just keep it the same. Give him another chance. I mean, obviously, limited options because the squad's been selected. But it, it was I, so... I... It was so mu- I just felt like, you know, this is a guy we talked about. Um, I think Wade asked us the question uh, and we kind of defended the decision to have him and Hines as the scrum halves on the basis that he can come to this later. These are experienced players. They know what they're doing. You know, they've leadership and, and everything else. You know, a great couple of scrum halves to have in there. Um, but it didn't show. We We lacked something off the base of the scrum. And I think particularly if you've not got that Ball carrying eight, that experienced eight who's going to pick and go off the back of the scrum to give you the extra man. It was all just a bit, a bit slow and a bit like. I don't know. What do you do? Do you, do you say, 
one more chance, I'm, Ben, or do you do you make a, a change now? I mean, the only option really is to switch them around, and I'm not sure you do that. I, I so I think I might switch them around. I I think really I'm, Ben Young to me didn't have a great game. What we've got to remember against New Zealand, Ben Youngs was world class, so he can still be, but to me, he's not doing it consistently enough. I I don't know who the, the scrum half answer is right now, um, but there is a lot of options. I, d- I don't know what Dan Robson's state is, because obviously he had that really, really bad injury, um, and hopefully he's well playing, but it, it's probably too early. But, I mean, I, d- I don't know what the scrum half answer is. I, I would go Willie Hines. I just think Willie Hines adds... This England team, to me, is when they're attacking on quick ball, is absolutely devastating. And I think Willie Hines adds more urgency than Ben Youngs does. Yeah. yeah so I right. I start with Willie Hines. Um, but if Ben Youngs does start, I mean, it's so hard because if you're getting slow ball and shit ball, it, it's going to make a scrum half look shit anyway. But... I want to start with Willie Hines. At eight, it doesn't look like we can change. I want Mako to come in so we've got a bit more ball-carrying sort of ability. Um, other than that, because realistically, although Manu's in the squad, I can't see him playing this weekend. So does that mean... Devoto? <sighs> the, the, I, I think they'll go, go Ford, Farrell, uh, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. And then I would have... Hopefully, hopefully, then the back three is May, Youngs, and Daly. Uh, May, um, Watson, and Daly. I don't know if, uh, if Watson's about. I, yeah, I don't know if Watson's available for selection. That would be amazing. If he's not, I think I go Ollie Forley on a wing, and I have uh, Devoto on the bench. Daly at fullback. Yeah. And then what? Keep the keep the forwards otherwise the same. I mean, if you if you're starting if you're starting um, Mako, I, obviously you're bringing Marler on. Yeah, so, so I'm going Mako, and then Jamie, just swapping George. Sinclair, and so where does Genge fit in? Is he Genge on the bench again and comes on? For Genge, I've... we're getting into uh, that dangerous murky territory if we don't know enough about uh, props. Yeah, yeah, we, we was getting trouble so, for it. So, so um, no, Gen, Genge comes on for. Um... Yeah, let, let, let's ignore that. It, do you um, know, it doesn't matter. You have Genge and Marla on the bench because Marla can play both sides. Problem solved. Yeah, so, so Genge... Like he did in the Genge, World Cup. Yeah, I want Genge to come on. I, Genge is hard as well. He, he is. He, he just needs... I, do, I, do, I just... I worry when I watch him play that he's that hothead that Sinclair, that Sinclair got a reputation for being. Um, and it can be problematic, especially if you get a reputation because refs won't... You know, they don't give you the benefit of the doubt. So we just need him to control that. We we not not get rid of it because it's a key to his game, the baby rhino. But um, just not lose it. We don't want to be giving away silly penalties because he gets gets his knickers in a twist, Dan. Yeah, I but I actually think I actually think it's overstated because he hasn't been caught out. There was at one point where it looked like a late tackle. Then when you saw oh yeah no agree when you saw it back his, his it, first touch in the game yeah. He nearly and broke the guy's leg perfectly legally. It, it was, it was a, but it was a fair tackle as well. It's yeah, not yeah. like he was trying to cheap shot him. And if he was trying to cheap shot and he hit it pretty damn well, didn't spot he? Spot on, spot on. Um, uh, but it was so, so that's the point because you'd need to drop because Genji's loose 
I could get this wrong. I'm pretty sure Genji's loose head, same as Marla and Mako. But Marla plays both sides, which he did in the World Cup. So they, yeah. do you remember in the World Cup they took one less prop because they, because Marla can cover both. Yeah, so, so you so maybe I think you have... stick with Marla and Genge on, and then and then if that is the case, um, if it's not the case, then that's fine. You've got like for like replacements. If it is the case, Marla can just cover the other side. Yeah, I'd like to start with Mako. I'd like to see Laws back in the row with Marrow. Uh, eight eight is so hard because what options do you have then if if you don't have um, if you don't have Curry at fullback. So I'd like to see Curry Underhill on the flanks. I guess you've got Ludlam, but he's probably even less experienced at fullback, at fullback sorry, at eight. <laughs> what, what am I on about? Yeah. He's, he's probably less experienced at eight than Curry. I, yeah, it's I a worry. Think... It's a worry. I, I think we're going to end up seeing Curry late again if, that, if, if he's not going to make any changes. And that, and that does worry me. Um, and and it, it's, less about, it's less about being worried that... England can't perform with Curry playing at eight. It's more about England and not getting the best out of one of the best players in the world by not having him at six or seven. Yeah, I when Billy's injured, we we need a better option, and I think we've got those options in Don Brandt, in Sam Simmons, in Zach Mercer. Yeah. So I, I'd like us to see see us use them, and like we're saying, we're about like. I think we've got options that we're not using, but I do trust. I still completely trust in, in Eddie's Eddie, judgment. Trust. Yeah, like with Furbank, and he didn't have a great debut. So be it. Eddie, well, one thing that Eddie, I think, is the best at in the world is spotting this young talent, spotting his international quality. And I think Furbank will be. I think it was such a hard game for him to be able to showcase. But right now, I don't have him in the starting 23 but I want him saving the squad. I want him to get another chance because I think the guy's got a lot of potential and I think he could be could end up being a great, great fullback. But the best fullback for the game we played would have been Mike Brown because of <laughs> yeah. solid. But that wasn't our game plan. But as the match turned out, the best fullback at that time probably would have been Mike Brown. But... Let's not go down that road. I think that that yeah. ship has has sailed. And you know, you got to be thinking about twenty twenty three. You got to be thinking about uh, you know young young blood. Watson would fall into that category. Daly, I think, falls into that category. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think they're the two that we're that we're keeping an eye on at the moment. But for me, Watson should be the the fullback. And you know, you're not you're not making wholesale changes to what your plan was. You know, Watson was Eddie's fullback until he got injured. Daly then became his fullback. So for, for him to switch back to Watson as his go-to fullback and move Daly to the wing wouldn't be some, you know, total like reverse of of, of his sort of thought process. Daly went there because there was no other option. Now Watson's back. There are two guys that he's looked at <clears throat> to move into the fullback position. I think he just, you know, let's make a decision and, and you've got two guys that can cover if necessary then. But, yeah, um, but it'll be interesting but, but, to see what he goes with. But back three don't worry me because you've, we've so got so much depth, so much talent there. But a few injuries, you've got you know Daily Watson. You've still got Jack Noel to come back. You've still got the likes of Cockney Singer and and all that lot who can come in. So I, I'm not worried about that. I am. I I I must admit I'm a little concerned. Like the two positions I'm most concerned about are eight and scrum half. Yes, I agree. Um, but you know we'll see. But. We're coming back on Thursday, aren't we? We are coming back on Thursday because, of course, we the, well once the once the squad has been announced, once the team has been announced, we can hopefully put some of these 
um, question marks to bed and, and we can discuss what that means. I hope there will be changes because I think it's important to make changes, but it doesn't have to be wholesale. Um, um, and yeah, see what the what, what we think of the plan. Um, we can, uh, yeah, we'll get into um, expectations and predictions and all that then. Speaking of which, Dan, our predictions very much come from the heart with obviously a healthy dose of one-eyed rose-tinted frosting. Um, but but listeners, do not let it be said that we're not a highbrow rugby pod of the people. We've been chatting, well, I've been chatting with uh, with Graham at Rugby Forecast, which is uh, rugby, uh, the number four, and then cast, Rugby Forecast, uh, on Twitter. Um, and he's got a slightly different, uh, considerably more balanced view on what might happen. Um, and it's all based on statistics. Apparently, these... These things, statistics, can, can impact uh, what may or may not happen. Um, so we're going to be sharing, Dan, you don't know this yet, but I'm telling you now, we're going to be sharing these with our listeners every week in the preview uh, games um, in order to sort of compare how our heart overhead uh, kind of predictions stack up against the ones that actually have real numbers and facts <laughs> to support them. Um, nice. Also, I'm hoping to try and get Graham on the pod uh, at some point over the next few weeks, maybe in the kind of um, one of the two down weeks to sort of talk about how they do their statistics and um, and how all that comes about. And also, they're pretty accurate, I think. They, they've, they've Generally, they get a pretty good uh, uh, response. But it's just, it's very interesting. We'll, we'll come on to, you know, I'm not going to go into it now, but we'll, we'll go like into it in it. the next episode. Um, and they're quite detailed and they kind of look at, you know, Based on certain results, what are the what? Firstly, they they predict what they think the results will be, and then they basically say if their results are accurate, um, how does that affect each team's chances of finishing in different positions uh, in the table? Um, and yeah, it's fascinating. So it'll be interesting to get the views of someone who isn't simply going, but it's England, so of course they're going to win, um, which has its place, as as our listeners can. Um, Contest, not contest. What's the word? It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, we'll get him on. That will be uh, that'll be an interesting one. So that'll be Thursdays generally from about midday if uh, Dan and I can manage to organise our lives. Um, Dan, I'm I'm feeling more professional already. Mate, I'm I'm liking the sound of this, and and I'd love to have a chat with him. Yeah, let's get him on. Sounds good, guys. We will catch you on Thursday, hopefully not long after midday. See you then.